Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Um, I'm going to, uh, going to just give a, a brief introduction and try to get through this uh, uh, as, as quickly as we can. Not missing what God has for us though. I want to encourage you with uh, some things from the Word of God today that I believe will be a blessing as we serve Jesus in, as Scripture says, uh, in this present evil world. Amen. Uh, so uh, there in, in Acts chapter 4, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But the, as we study through Acts, the book of Acts is often called the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, but I, I like to think of the book of Acts as, as we read it, it, it's easy to see that the Acts, uh, the book of Acts could easily be called the Acts of the Spirit of God in the life of the church. And, and we see how, how Jesus called the church, he, he commissioned the church, he, he paid for the church, right, with his own blood. And, and he, get, he gave us a command. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In Mark 16, 15, uh, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Back in Matthew 28, he puts it this way, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I... Doing like that, just keep, keep, I'm, uh, the points in my mind, the Father, the Son, but they are equal, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? Uh, and uh, t- he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. Then after giving them that, that command, as we know it as the Great Commission, Soon after that, Jesus was standing with his, with his disciples and, and several others there on the mount where he would ascend into heaven. And he said, he said tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And they said, Lord, is now, is now when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. In order for, in order for this ragtag bunch of, of men and women to take the message of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, in order for them to take it through all of Samaria and all Judea and even through Jerusalem, it was going to take an act of God. And God did just that. As the church obeyed and went to Jerusalem and tarried there in the upper room waiting uh, as as Jesus had told them uh, to do for the promise of the Father, the Bible says there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it it, uh, came and filled the place where they were. As they were sitting there waiting, praying and waiting on God. God moved in. The Spirit of God uh, moved in upon them and filled them. And the Bible says they went out and began to proclaim the wonderful works of God. Uh, people had come to, to Jerusalem for the, for the uh, Passover and they stayed for Pentecost 50 days after the Passover. And they, they stayed there in Jerusalem. And people from all around the world, every nation of the world, 
Many languages were spoken. And the Bible says that every one of them were hearing the, these people preach and teach the wonderful works of God in their own language. They, they heard it in their own language. What a miracle that only God could do. At the Tower of Babel, we saw God divide people because they were, uh, divide the languages because they were trying to do things their way and trying to, uh, trying to reach God on their own. Uh, but, but now uh, God, God is bringing the languages together through one thing, the gospel. And the gospel is what God has used to change lives. The gospel is what God has used through the years to, to, to deliver us from, uh, from sin. The Bible says uh, that we are to go and preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. Now, on the day of Pentecost, we see here in, in the book of Acts that 3,000 people trusted Christ as their Savior. You have the 120 that were in the, in the, in the upper room. Now you have 3,000 added to them. These believers in Jesus Christ identifying with Jesus. In chapter 3, Peter and John, they're living the Christian life. They're living and modeling uh, Christianity and, live and going and showing the world what Jesus has done. They're being faithful and the Bible says that they are on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. They're on their way to the temple to pray. As they're on their way, the Bible tells us that there was a man right there in their way, uh, laid by the gate called Beautiful, begging for alms, begging for somebody to have compassion and give him some money. He, he, was, uh, he had laid there for, uh, for many years, all of his life really, he had laid there at the gate and, and unable to walk, unable to work, unable to, to uh, provide for himself. He's dependent upon other people. And Peter looks at him and he says, he says, look on us. And the Bible says that the man looked at him ho uh, hoping to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took the man by the hand and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he stood up and he went with Peter and John into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. Now I don't know about you, but if I saw that, I would be oh my goodness. I'd be so surprised and, and amazed by that. And, and I, I, did, you, did you just see what... And the Bible says that people came from all around rushing in because they heard this miracle. They wanted to see, they wanted to find out what was going on. And any time the Word of God and the, and the power of God begins to work, any time the people of God are used by God to, uh, to see life change, you're going to see opposition begin to rise. Sometimes that opposition is going to be your own flesh. Well, I just don't know if that's the way things ought to be. I don't really feel like it. I told my son this morning, I said, my heart and my spirit are saying, yes, it's Sunday, it's time to go to church. And my body is saying, what an idiot are you? Get back in bed, right? But hey, I'm, I'm so thrilled. But sometimes our body just doesn't work with us, does it? Sometimes it's family. Oh, if you do that, then I mean, you're going you're gonna to embarrass all of us. I mean, the family, you know. Sometimes it's your friends. Oh, you're just becoming one of those people. Those holy rollers, those Bible thumpers. You're, you're just, you think you're better than everybody. I mean, who do you think you, our friends, 
Sometimes it's life, right? Sometimes life throws a COVID at you, right? And just messes up all of your plans for a year and a half or two years or however long. But sometimes it's, it's just straight up devil. Sometimes he works through those other people. Sometimes he works through the religious crowd. How many times have you been serving Jesus and the, and, and the religious crowd? Not basing anything that they say on the word of God unless they take it out of context. But they, they begin to oppose what you're doing for Christ. We see the rise of the opposition. The Bible says in, in chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, we'll begin reading. It says, it says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them uh, in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. They said, they said we got to stop this. So they took them and put them in jail because they didn't want to deal with it th- that night. It was eventide, the Bible says, it was on toward evening. And so they, they put them in jail till the next day. Uh, but, uh, but Peter and John, they didn't get discouraged. They didn't say, oh my goodness, Jesus, have you forgotten about us? Have you, you, uh, you, you didn't tell us that it was going to be this way because actually he did tell them. He said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That doesn't sound like it's going to be all, uh, all hearts and rainbows and, and unicorns and cotton candy, does it? Sounds like somebody's going to get bitten. Sounds like there's going to be some wounds along the way. But when we read the Word of God, we see that it's worth it. Jesus told his disciples, he said, he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're going to be opposed. But here's the truth. As you look through church history, as you read the Bible, as we see here, opposition cannot stop the gospel. Often, often when, when people come and try to oppose the gospel, it's like they're spraying gasoline on the fire. And it begins to spread. And it spreads further and further. And as, and as these men stood and preached, uh, the Bible says uh, in, in verse 4, uh, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. That's just the men. Uh, add to that the women and the children that trusted in God that day. Now we're talking about 120 that were saved there and we're in the upper room. Now, and, and then add to that the 3,000, that's 3,120. Now 5,000 men, uh, so that's 8,120, plus however many women and children there were. There's a whole bunch of people getting saved. A lot of it was through them just being bold and preaching the gospel. Some of it was through uh, the noise that was happening because of the opposition. They're coming around and hearing what's going on. Opposition cannot stop the gospel. I want to tell you, hey, I praise the Lord. Uh, we, when, when COVID hit and we were all quarantined and everything, I began to get nervous. As a church planter, you know, I'm nervous. How many people are, 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 are going to stick with it? How many people are, are we going to have when this thing is over? But God grew the church through quarantine. God brought people to, to see our live stream that, uh, that uh, had, had trusted Christ. I mean, uh, we're talking about people who, who were, uh, let me tell you, this, this, there was this one lady. There was this one lady that, uh, uh, that, that she, had, she had been involved in all kinds of new age stuff. 
One day she was, she was meditating and she saw this dark, uh, this dark figure coming close to her. And it terrified her. And in that moment she heard, you need to trust in Jesus. That scared her even more. She, her family, they had not been believers. They, were, uh, they didn't believe in the Bible. She had gone to a Catholic school. but I mean, So, I mean, you can understand. She was scared of that. She jumped, she, she jumped in her bed and gra- picked up her phone, going to uh, turn on some music and everything, opened up YouTube, and right there at the very top was a video that says, Woman Turns to Christ from New Age. She watched it, trusted Jesus as her Savior. She knew that she needed to be in church, so... Uh, because believers have a desire to be around God's people, right? And so she began to look for a church, found our live stream, found our church, and she comes to church. She's been discipled. Now she's discipling others. That's what God can do. And, and so, so uh, it came to pass on the morrow that there are rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and the Alexander and as many of it were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And you might recognize some of those names. Annas and Caiaphas, those were the ones who were, who were kind of swapping back and forth, being high priest, uh, whoever the, uh, you know, the Romans, they were, they were in control. And, and so sometimes they would let this one, sometimes they'd let that one. Just to kind of put it simply, not to get into all the details of it. But remember when Jesus was, uh, went through the temple and turning over tables and stuff like that? He didn't do that every time he went to the temple, but uh, some churches don't understand that. Um, but, uh, uh, but Jesus went to the temple a couple of times and turned over the tables and said, you've turned my father's house into a, into a, a den of thieves. It's supposed to be a, a, a house of prayer. That, that, that den of thieves had been called, it was, it was dubbed the Bazaar of Annas. Because Annas, who was the high priest that year, he, he encouraged that and he, and he led that marketing of, of religiosity to make money and to control the mindset of the people. And so, and so these people, they're, they're sitting there in judgment of, of Peter and John and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, we, uh, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you here whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. When he said that, their minds go back to Psalm 118, verses 22 through 24. Uh, 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 the stone which the builders refuse has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Then Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other. He said, this man is able to stand before you whole because of the name, the power in the name of Jesus and through faith in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must, not you might, whereby you must, not you could, uh, but whereby you must be saved. 
If you're going to get saved, if you're going to to go to heaven, then you're going to be saved in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's not by your good works. It's not by your religious acts. It's not by your faithfulness to church. It's not by how much money you give to missions. The Bible says that Jesus said on the day of judgment, there are going to be many that stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, and it's going to be too late. Have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Lord, look what we have done in your name. But they never trusted in his name for their salvation. What are they calling on on that day of judgment that they think should allow them into heaven? They're calling on their good works. See, it's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy that he saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because you know just as well as I do that if we could earn our way to heaven, as soon as we crossed over that bar and we, and we, had, we had earned our way, we'd put our thumbs in our lapels and we'd go bragging and telling everybody about it. But if it was by our works, then we could lose it by, by our works too, Right? But because it's not by our works, we didn't do anything to get it. We can do nothing to keep it. It's in Him. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. He gave us eternal life and we shall never, never, never perish. Amen? Hey, there's peace that comes with that. Some people say, well, if if I believe that once saved, always saved, I just go live the way I want to. Well, you know, I do. I live the way I want to. I I live for Jesus, not to be saved, but because I am saved. Because see, he changed my wanter. I want to do right. I want to honor God. I want to reflect Jesus to the world around me. And this didn't start whenever whenever our family moved to Pasadena. This didn't start back in 2007 whenever I began pastoring a church in, in Covington, Georgia. This started many years ago as just a church member, a believer in Jesus. I decided, hey, I want to follow Jesus. No turning back. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm I'm going to do what he's told us to do because I want God to use me. Our first Sunday in Pasadena, our first Sunday when we launched the church in September September 18th, 2016, I preached from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We preach Christ. We weren't, there to, we weren't there to point the finger at everybody around. They're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. No, we're there to lift up Christ. We preach Christ. We lift up the truth. And let the truth, let the light of truth expose the error. And it'll do it every time. When we shine truth, when we stick to the Word of God, it will will show the error uh, of of the the false doctrine that's being taught. And I praise the Lord that that's that's the way that God has led us and that's what we've endeavored to do. And we've seen God work as a result of it. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They're like... How is it that these men can say these things and all? I mean, they, they are unlearned. and ignorant. What they're saying is, the, the, the Greek word there for ignorant is idiotas. Kind of sounds like our word, idiot, right? These guys are idiots. 
No, what they're really saying is, is they haven't been to our Bible school. They haven't gone through our seminaries. They don't have our degree and our stamp of approval on their ministry. How is it that they're able to do this? But they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Hey, I wonder, is it evident in your life that you've been with Jesus? Opposition's going to rise. If, we, if you've been with Jesus, you'll, you'll stand. You'll stand strong. But if you've not been spending time with Jesus, you've not been letting his word strengthen you, his spirit empower you, then, hey, you'll buckle under pressure. Oh, you'll still be saved, but you won't be serving like he wants you to. When they commanded them to go, out, go uh, aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them to manifest. Uh, it is manifest to all the, the, them that dwell at Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak nor teach. Speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. This is something that we've kind of seen in our day. We want, our society wants to, it's okay with religion as long as it's, as it's what they deem as all inclusive. Well, all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to God, they'll say. And I may surprise you with this, but all roads do, all religions do lead to God. But only one of them is, only one way is going to lead to God to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter in. The rest of them are going to stand before him on the day of judgment. He's going to say, I never knew you. So we see the rise of the opposition. Next, we see the resolve of the believers. But Peter and John, verse 19, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God. I, can, I, I kind of imagine they said this a bit tongue-in-cheek, right? Whether it's right to obey you or God, whether it's right in the sight of God, you know, judge ye. He said, for we cannot but speak the things that we have, uh, we have seen and heard. We can't help but tell what we saw Jesus do. He died he was buried. He rose again. He showed himself alive after his passion with many infallible proofs. We can't help but tell. We, we've seen him change lives. We've seen him raise the dead. We saw him give the blind their sight. We saw him uh, 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 heal the lame man. We saw him heal the leper. Hey, but let me, those are all wonderful, but let me tell you what he did for me. He converted, he changed my life. He transformed me from the inside out. Uh, Peter, no doubt, would, would say, I was just an old cussing fisherman. I was a cheat. I was, a, I, was, I, I, was, uh, uh, I was just out for myself. I was uh, looking, for, looking for, uh, for a, a, a position. I was, I was all about me. But now, now, hey, I'm all about Jesus. Peter saw Jesus there on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says Jesus took, uh, took Peter, James, and John with him there to the Mount of Transfiguration. And he was, and he was uh, transfigured there before them. And, and uh, Moses and Elijah appeared with him and, and they ministered to one another. And, and, and Peter saw that. He heard the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. 
And in the, in the, the letters that Peter wrote uh, later on in the New Testament, he said, he said, he said we saw in, in the mount, he said, we saw uh, the, him uh, glorified. We heard the voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son. He said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy that you do well, that you take heed thereunto. And, and, and hey, church, uh, it, is, it is incumbent upon us that we, that we take heed thereunto the word of God and, and, and go and tell what God has done, what Jesus has done in our lives. Hey, when we read in the word of God what Jesus has done and when we see it in our lives and we see it in the lives of others, we ought to get a case of the can't help it. Peter said we can't help but tell what we've seen and heard. We ought, to, we ought to just be so excited about what Jesus has done in our lives and in the lives of others and what Jesus is doing in our church that we go and tell somebody and we tell somebody and we tell somebody. When's the last time you just, you just had it inside you and you just had to say something? I'm not talking about an argument on Facebook. I'm talking about you just genuinely have this desire to share Jesus Christ and to tell them. I mean, it might, it might be as you're knocking on doors. But it might be when you're standing there in the grocery line. It might be while you're walking down the road. And you see somebody that, kind of like the man laying there by the temple. God just puts them in your way for you to share Jesus with them. We see the resolve of the believers uh, in, in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11. Mo, uh, we, we see that Moses took a stand for God and endured as seeing him who is invisible. He told Pharaoh, even though he knew Pharaoh could have him executed right then and there, he told Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. The Lord said, he stood there with boldness as seeing him who is invisible. Hey, I tell you, if I, if I could see Jesus standing right here, there, there's, there's a lot that I would say and do for him. So why don't I? Because he's with me, right? He's with you, child of God. So let's live our lives as seeing him who is invisible. Not just going off half-cocked and, and, and just uh, uh, doing our own thing and our own agenda, but doing what God has called us to do. Being a witness in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. In Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow to the golden idol, uh, that, that, uh, that image that he had, he, he had set up, and they said, we're not going to bow. And he said, he said, I'm going to let them play the music again. He said, and you will bow or I'm going to have you thrown into the fiery furnace. And who is that God who is able to deliver you out of my hand? And they said, King, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Because our God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. They were, they were not being disrespectful. They were not being rude. They were taking a stand for a higher authority. Yes, we ought to obey every ordinance of man. But when man's ordinance violates God's ordinance, then we ought to obey God rather than men. 
Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Back to Acts chapter 4, verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how, how they might punish them because of the people. We see here what the government, what the, uh, what the I said the government, I guess it really was, uh, the, the religious leaders of their day, they were more interested in the people's opinions than what God had to say. For the man was above 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted their voice to God with one accord and said, Oh, Lord, you see how mean they're being. We're just trying to be faithful to you and they're just being mean to us down here. Oh, I'm just ready to quit. No, that's not what they did, is it? They began to pray. And they said, Lord, you, you know what's going on. You even said... You even said that they were going to do this. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers uh, against, against uh, thy, thy holy child Jesus, they, they say. But then what were the results? We see the rise of the opposition. We see the resolve of the believers. But what were the results? They prayed, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. You know what happened? They thanked God for counting them worthy to suffer for his name. They took their stand. They asked him to help them to stand and to be faithful to spread the word of, of God, to preach the gospel. And when they prayed, the place was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit of God and they spoke the word. They preached the word of God with boldness. God answered their prayer. They went out and continued to boldly preach. We live in a day and time where people are, people are, are scared, they're, they're, they're nervous, they're, they, they say that we're divisive because we say that Jesus Christ is the only way. But if we love them like we should, if we love God like we should, we're going to stand, we're going to preach, we're going to proclaim the truth, we're going to spread the message of Jesus Christ everywhere we go, to whomever we can. We're going to look for those opportunities that God places in our way because, hey, we might not have a whole lot of money. Silver and gold have I none. Hey, but it doesn't cost you anything to tell somebody about Jesus. It's just speaking Jesus to them, just telling them, well, I don't know what to say. Do you know what he did for you? That's all. Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. A witness is somebody that tells what they've seen, they've heard, they've experienced firsthand. They saw it, they heard it, they experienced it. You know what he's done for you? And you know how he did it? It's nothing magical about the words we say. 
It's faith from our heart when we pray in faith, believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. And we, we, know, that, we know that it's not by our works. We trust in Jesus and Him alone for our salvation. So we go and tell somebody, this is what Jesus has done for me. And if He'll do it for me, He'll do it for anybody. So this morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to trust Him because He is a Savior that He, he loves you so much. He gave His life for you. He died on the cross for you so that you could have eternal life, so you could have your sins forgiven. Your, the guilt of sin gone. He wants to give you a new life. It's better than, it's better than uh, being put on parole or it's better than receiving a pardon because this is God declaring you to be righteous just as if you had never sinned in the first place. And on top of that, He makes you His child. You go from being an enemy and a lawbreaker to being the very child of God. By faith. Now, if you're already a believer, if you're already saved, then, then I hope this message today has encouraged you to be bold, to proclaim. I'm not, I'm not, and boldness is not meanness, all right? Boldness is not meanness. Boldness is, is, is having the courage to go and share the truth of the gospel with people who need to hear it, regardless of who they are. Following God's leadership and His command to, as, as, he, as He prompts you, as He leads you, you're going to tell somebody about Jesus. What He's done for you. But what if persecution happens? What if, we get, uh, what if we get opposed? Well, here's the thing, you will. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That doesn't mean they're going to throw you in jail. doesn't mean you're going to get beaten up. But you might. I mean, I'm just being honest with us, Right? It's, it's less likely here in America, but we do have brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who suffer persecution, imprisonment, beatings, assaulting, even death for their faith in Jesus. But what did Paul say? In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul said, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. Opposition cannot stop the gospel. The gospel spreads. Many times through the years, believers would be, would be tied to a stake and, and set on fire and burned at the stake. Many people would come from all around to see the spectacle and they would, they would hear about this person who is giving their life for their faith. They'd inquire about it. They would become believers themselves and the gospel is, effect, is continuing its effectiveness. People are saved because believers are bold. You're going to face opposition, but be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the armor of God and go in His power.